Well, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you all. My name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor here at Ignite, and I'm really, really happy that you guys can uh, be here. Uh, Before we jump into our service today, I just want to take a moment to highlight something. Every week when you come into Ignite, um, we have these wonderful people who are there to greet you and and give you uh, a bulletin if you so desire to have one with a connection card. And some of you are like, hey, I like to do uh, and fill that stuff out on the app as well. And so there's that available. Um, But the connection card I just want to share with you is a really important tool that you have um, to take your next steps of faith. Um, there, there's all these different things that are available um, on there. And today, as, as you look, just uh, your name, email, phone number, things that you feel comfortable uh, with filling it out. Um, and then you can drop this in the, in the um, buckets as they go by later. Um, but things like, uh, I've decided to become a follower of Jesus or be baptized uh, to go public with our faith, to dedicate my child, to join a life group, and to serve at Ignite Church. And so any of those avenues are open. And, and, and if you want to get connected in that way, that's a great tool um, for you to have. And so um, keep that handy um, when you think about um, wanting to get involved, and you can drop that in the, uh, in the buckets as they go by um, a little bit later today. We are uh, in a sermon series uh, called The Gospel of Matthew. We're going through the entire book of Matthew. It's going to take us a good long while, um, but what we're doing is we're breaking it up into chunks because that's what the the Gospel of Matthew is broken up into, into sections. And so um, we've been focusing, we've started off a a few weeks ago, and we've been focusing on the first four chapters of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. This is the good news that Matthew wants to tell us about Jesus. And so chapter Chapters one through four show us um, how Jesus is the fulfillment of promises made from long ago. Those promises being prophecies, um, they're, they're, they're found throughout the Old Testament, which is about the first two-thirds of your Bible, the Old Testament is there. And, and, and through that, there's all these pointing to Jesus, that there would come a day that there would be a king of all kings, that there would be the Christ, the chosen one of God. And so all these promises are made, and the fulfillment of those promises are in Jesus. And the first four chapters show how Jesus is the Christ and how he's the fulfillment of so many of those promises um, that we see um, throughout Jesus's life. And we see how Jesus is the Christ. That means that he's the anointed one, the chosen one of God, the savior of the world. That he's the son, he's God in the flesh. God exists in three persons, yet one God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is the second part of the Trinity. We saw last week when Jesus came out and he was baptized, he comes out of the water and and the spirit of God is descending and the voice of the Father in the heavens. Uh, We see the Trinity present all there in Jesus' baptism where he says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And we talked about that and Jesus's temptation um, from Satan uh, ensuing that and how he overcame those things and, and really um, was victorious in those areas. And today, we're going to see that Jesus is not only the Christ, the chosen one, that he's God in the flesh, but that he's also a king. In fact, he's our king. He's the king of all kings. He's the king above kings. So when we say king of kings, we have all these uh, people that have aspired and have been kings, but he's the king above that. He's the, he is the leader of leaders. He is above all things. He is the king of the earth, and he is, his authority rules and reigns, uh, and he is eternal. So he's the eternal king of our lives, and he's the eternal king of our planet. And so when we, when, we, when we know that, when we know that he's the king above every other king, that, he's, that he is uh, the ruler and he has authority and he has dominion and he has, he has all these things, he has citizens, 
um, we need to understand that if he's a king, what kind of king is he? What manner of king is Jesus? Because it's this, it's important to know the character of Jesus as we obey the commands of Jesus. It's important to know the character of Jesus as we obey the commands of Jesus. That's, that's a really important thing, that, that if we're going to follow Jesus, we want to know what he's like. And if he's the king, it's really important and it's really helpful for us what he's like. Because, because there's going to be words that we're going to talk about today that are going to make you wildly uncomfortable. Things like submission and obedience those are wonderful words that just kind of get thrown around in our culture today as really great, wonderful things, right? Like, hey, you want to be obedient? Do you want to submit to an authority? People are like, yeah, I'd rather not, right? We, we, we want to be our own authority. We don't want to submit to anybody. And to, to submit to anything for many of us is really scary. And it shows, we think that it shows weakness, um, and that we can't think for ourselves or whatever it may be. But there's lots of different reasons why we, we hate the words submission and we hate the words obedience. And yet these are the things that we're going to be talking about today because Jesus is our king. But our king, our connection with our God is relational. It's not cold and distant. It's warm and inviting. It's, it's this idea that we are connected to the God of the universe, that, that God just doesn't want to rule and reign over us and lord it over us, but he wants to care for us. He wants to listen to us. He wants to hear what we have to say. He wants to walk with us. He wants to help us and lead us into greater joy. And we're going to see these things on display in Jesus's life, um, and we're going to see him today. And I think, what we, I think one of the things that we really get scared about is because all of us at some point have been under dysfunctional leadership. I think at some point, whether it could be really severe dysfunction, it could be mild dysfunction, but you have been under a leader who doesn't know how to be a leader. You've been under the authority of someone who is dysfunctional in the way that they lead and sinful in the way that they lead. Whether it be, maybe, maybe your relationship with your parents wasn't great. Maybe, maybe you've had a boss, right? You had a boss that was so dysfunctional, right? They put the fun in dysfunction, right? Like this, this, like this crazy, weird leader that you're like, what's going on? Maybe you've, maybe you've had um, bad experiences in other places where you've been under dysfunctional leadership and you're like, if Jesus is like that, I want nothing to do with having anybody lead me. And the, the, the mistake that we make often is that we, we take our leaders and we project that we compare Jesus to our leaders and say, well, if Jesus is like those leaders, well, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is not like those leaders. Jesus is not like any other leader. Jesus is perfect. Even, even your best leaders on earth, human leaders, are still uh, fallible. They still make mistakes and they still sin and they're still broken. They can be good leaders, but they can't be perfect leaders. Jesus is a perfect leader. He is our perfect leader. There's no dysfunction in Jesus' leadership in any level whatsoever, for any moment. Jesus doesn't have bad moments. He's perfect, he's holy, he's good. And he's kind. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. That, and it's important to know the character of Jesus as we obey the commands of Jesus because he's going to say some things and he's going to talk about those things. So today we're going to be doing a study in the character of Jesus and what manner of king is he. And so we're going to be in Matthew 4, um, starting in verse 12. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea 
in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light for those dwelling in the region and saw a shadow of death on them a light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first thing that we're going to see is that our king brings light. Our king brings light. It says in, the beginning, it says in, in verse 12 there that John was arrested. John was the forerunner of Jesus. He was the one to go ahead and say, everybody, hey, everybody, the king is arriving. The king is arriving. And when, he, when Jesus shows up, he says, the king is here. That's John's job. Now, John also had some other things going on, and, and there was a ruler in the day named Herod. Um, we talked about Herod before. This is Herod's son, Herod, the, Herod the Younger, Herod Antipas, Harry, Herod uh, the Lesser, so to speak. So this is Herod's son, Herod, and uh, this younger Herod uh, was really deplorable, and he did some really, really wicked, awful, and disgusting things. Uh, one of the things that he did was he decided that he wanted his brother's wife, and then his brother's wife also wanted him as well. And so they ran off together. Dude stole his brother's wife and was living with her and sleeping with her, and John says, hey, you can't do that. That's gross. You can't do that. That's against what God would have. What you're doing is sin and wrong, and God sees that, and that's a problem. Stop being with your, sister, with your, with your brother's wife. And because John said those things, he was thrown in jail. That's what, that's what it was. He says, oh, you, you, wanna, you wanna speak against me? Fine, you're going to jail. And later John would be executed because of this. So John gets arrested for saying something that's right. And then later he's executed. And when John gets arrested, Jesus moves a little bit further away. He goes up across the seas, up, up in the region of Galilee and Capernaum. And, and what's interesting, it says, this actually fulfilled a prophecy. The prophet Isaiah said, you're going to be up in the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and you're going to be way out on the fringes, and up there a light will dawn, Jesus being the light. He said that the people up there in that region have seen a great light, the, the light on the Gentiles, which means a non-Jew, which means that Jesus is not just for Jewish people, he's for all people. And he says he's fulfilling the prophecy that, that a light has shone in the far regions and that a light has dawned. He's fulfilling a prophecy. What's amazing to me is that a lot of the prophecies that we talked about so far in this series have been fulfilled by the enemies of Jesus. I mean, both Herods had something to do with the fulfillment. Both Herods hate Jesus, and they're both actually playing into the fulfillment of the prophecies. They're trying to work against Jesus, and all the while, they're actually working in his favor. That nothing can thwart the plans of God, that even his enemies have to follow this. It's, 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 it's incredible to me that, that the enemies of Jesus are some of the ones that are actually fulfilling the prophecies. And we see this, and he says that there's a, there's a light that has dawned. There's a light that has come. On them, a light has dawned. Um, I, uh, I have a, a bucket list of things, um, and one of the things I got to do last year, uh, uh, knocking off my bucket list earlier this year, um, I got to go winter camping. 
okay? I have always wanted to go winter camping, but I also know that, I don't know if you, I don't know if I, uh, if this surprises you or not but by the way that I dress and act, but I'm not super outdoorsy. Um, I don't know if you knew that or not. I'm, I'm not really the, the outdoorsy, rugged type, and yet I've always wanted to go winter camping. I really do enjoy camping, but I also know that if you go winter camping and you do something wrong, um, there's, a, there's a chance of death, like, you could die by, by doing something foolish while you're winter camping. So I said, I, I need to go with someone who knows what they're doing. And there's a guy in church who heard about that and said, I would love to take you winter camping, you and your son and uh, my boy, and let's go out together. I said, let's go. So we did. Um, and we went out, and uh, uh, we went to the Cheyenne Grasslands. We snowshoed in, and, and uh, I said, cool, this is awesome. And then I found out we don't have tents um, we're going we're gonna to use tarps, uh, we're going to use sleeping bags, we're going to wrap up, and we're going to use tarps to cover us. I'm like, yeah, let's do this, right? It got to 20 below zero that night. So cold, so cold. Beautiful night, full moon. The, the moon was so bright, it was actually casting shadows. So if you could hear the coyotes, it was amazing. It was awesome, but it was also in the dead of winter, in the dead of night. And after a while, uh, I get claustrophobic, and I'm in a mummy bag, and I got a tarp over my head, and I'm like, oh, man, when's the sun coming, right? When's dawn going to get here, right? And I, I had a terrible night of sleep that night, but what was amazing was I can't tell you how encouraging it was when the sun rose. As soon as you could see the pink in the sky, and, and then the sun breaks the horizon, and it warmed all the way up to like five above. It was incredible. We're in sweatshirts. It's amazing. We're like, oh, I'm so hot. Like, balmy. It's a balmy five, right? And we had breakfast that morning. It was so encouraging to have the dawn. It was so encouraging to know we made it in the dead of winter, in the dead of night. There were times of doubt, and there were times where I was a bit nervous, and there were times where I'm like, when's the sun going to get here? For some of us in the room today, you're in the middle of your night, and you've been praying for the dawn. You're in a dark spot. Because we live in a world that has sin in it, we are born and we, have, we understand that there's this darkness and this decay and this brokenness, and some of us are in the middle of our night, and we've been praying for the sun to rise. And I'm here to tell you that the sun has risen. His name is Jesus. A light has dawned. That Jesus coming into the world brought something that the world didn't know up until that moment. And some of us have been waiting for the sun to rise, but we don't look at the sun. Some of us are still trying to figure out how we're going to create our own sources of light and our own warmth, and our own comfort, and our own encouragement. All the while, the light has dawned. His name is Jesus. And it says, from this time forward, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It has arrived, and it's Jesus proclaiming this. And then he says, repent. And the word repent means turn around. 
To repent is to turn around. It's to change the way that you're thinking. It's to have a 180. That's what repenting is. It's a, it's a 180 not only just like direction, but in the ways that you're thinking, in the ways that, that you're trying to lead your heart, right? You should go, no, you're going the wrong way. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And for some of us, we've been waiting for something in our life to happen and someone to come along to save us, all the while our back has been to the sun. And he says, repent, turn around, I'm right here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That Jesus is the light of the world. He's our king and our king brings light and the encouragement and the sight, and the knowledge, and, and, and the direction that we get from following our king. He brings light into the world. And if you're here and you're in a dark place, and all of us at some time or another, because we live in a broken world, we're going to experience brokenness, and we're going to experience darkness. But we can always turn to the sun. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king brings light. Also, our king leads. Our king leads. Verses 18 through 22. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, so up in the region where Jesus is at, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and, his aunt, and Andrew, his brother, <clears throat> casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. In the boat was Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and, they fo- and their father and followed him. I'm always amazed by Bible names because some of them seem really normal And some of them are a little bit more peculiar to to what we're used to, right? So here's a dude named Zebedee. Anybody know any Zebedees? Anybody? Oh, what are your kids' names? John and James. You're like, wow, huh, those are really normal-sounding names to us. Like, it just always amazes me. That has nothing to do with the sermon. I was just curious. Um, Sometimes I just wander out loud. But while he's walking by the Sea of Galilee, the king leads It's what kings do. Kings lead. They call people to action. It's what kings do. And our king is no different. He leads and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. First off, he goes up to these two dudes, Simon who later be called Peter and Andrew his brother. So Pete and Andy are sitting there fishing and they were fishermen. Now this isn't, um, this isn't a hobby Okay, we have fishermen in the, in the house, any fishermen, fishers, Fish, yeah, okay. So how many people as a career, fishermen? How many people's grandparents were like commercial fishermen? Yeah, th- okay, this is, what, this is what this is though. Like they were fishermen, not something they did on the weekends, something they did on the weekends and every other day because they were fishermen, it's what they did. And their dads were fishermen, and their dad's dads were fishermen, and their dad's 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 were fishermen, okay? Long line of fishermen. Anybody here, uh, show of hands, doing the occupation that their parents did? Did they take over the business or anything like that? Anybody? Yeah, like 
okay, so two. Okay, so kind of a foreign concept for us um, in the room. They're, they're, they're doing what they were supposed to, what they've been trained all their life to do. Everything about their life was about fishing. And along comes Jesus, the king, and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If you follow me, you're still going to do some fishing, but we're not going to fish for fish anymore. We're actually going to bring the good news of, of my name, and we're going to bring the light to the, of, of the kingdom to the world, and I will make you fishers of men. You're going to have an opportunity to invite and bring people in to the kingdom. It says, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus will make us into something if we follow him. It's important to know. He will actually transform us and make us into something that we're not right now. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Gives us a mission. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Does that strike anybody as like a powerful moment? Immediately? They said, all right, Jesus. You're the king. And they go on a little farther. James and John... They're fishing. They see Peter and Andrew walking with Jesus. Zebedee's in the boat with them. They're cleaning their nets and mending them up, getting ready for the next day. And Jesus says the same thing. And immediately they left their nets and their father in the boat. There's a cost to following Jesus. And there's a gut check moment that we will all have, and probably multiple over the course of our life, for following Jesus. And in this moment, they had to leave everything they ever knew and start something different because they were following the king. Is it wrong to be a fisherman? No. Is it wrong to have a job outside of being a vocational minister, of a pastor or a missionary? Is it wrong to have jobs as architects and engineers and, and food service and, and, and cleaning services and, and care and nursing? Is, there, is it wrong to have those things? No. Unless it is. It's wrong when Jesus says, I want you to do something different and you don't. We have to hold open, with open hands, everything in our life because Jesus is the king and we're subject to him. And if he says, leave your nets, then we should. I know some guys who were, had a great job as an engineer and he was doing well and he was funding the kingdom. He was giving faithfully to his church. He was, he was an elder in his church. He was serving well. His kids were involved. They were believers. Everything was going good for them. There's nothing wrong with what they were doing. And then God says, you need to go to a different country and bring the message of Jesus to them. And they left their nets and they followed him. Some people will never be called to do that, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, and actually, to be obedient to God in, in, a, in a job for a long time, that's good and right, but we always have to remember our end goal is not our job. Our end goal is to be with the king. So whatever you're doing right now, whatever it is, you don't have to panic, and, but to ask yourself this, am I following the king? Is this what the king has for me? 
And when the king speaks, we follow. Because that's, that's what we do. We follow because he is the leader. And what I love about this is Jesus is not afraid to demand great things from us. He's not afraid to demand difficult things from us. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Here's what's amazing about Jesus. He says, follow me, which means you will be with him when, he, when you go. Some of us have been called to very difficult things and we don't know why. But know that you're never alone. That Jesus is always with you because you're following him. And he will change your heart and change your mind and change even the trajectory of your life. but we're never going to be alone. He promises that. The king is bringing light to the world. He's inviting people to come share that message with other people. And he says, Peter, John, James, Andrew, I want you to come with me because I'm going to do something in this world and I'm going to have you be a part of that and you are going to fish for men. I'm going to bring you along in the way. And this is not the, this is not the typical way that somebody follows a rabbi. This is something completely different. This is the king speaking. He says, I want you with me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so we have to understand that if we're gonna be followers of Jesus, then we have to follow him. There's action involved in being a follower of Jesus. And he's bringing light to the world. And don't we all want to be a part of that? So the king brings light. The king leads. Here's what's also just really, really amazing to me. Um, The king heals. He heals. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread through all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. That's the river outside of the region. Jesus' message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he brings this message to people. And one of the things that happens is when they come to Jesus, they're healed. What an amazing king that he would take time to heal people. Have you ever had a leader that took time to invest in you and heal some things up in you and teach you and walk with you and care for you this way? If we are leaders in this room, are we, are we caring for people? Do we want the best for people? Are we doing everything that we can to make sure that everyone in our care thrives? This is the leader that Jesus is. He's bringing light. He brings knowledge. He brings sight. He brings direction. He leads. He's got a direction in which he's taking us, and his path is sure. And along the way, he's healing people. I just think that's amazing. 
I remember hearing about, um, during the Gulf War, uh, General Norman Schwarzkopf on a holiday weekend served all the soldiers food himself. He stood in the line and he served the food to all of his soldiers and then he went and sat at a table afterwards and he would ask them how they're doing and how their families are doing and what, what do they need and what things going on. And I think that's just a, a tremendous picture of what we are seeing. We catch a glimpse of those things here and there amongst our earthly leaders. But Jesus... Jesus brings healing. Everybody that came to Jesus, they brought him in, and he would heal them. This first communicates what the kingdom was like. By the way, when we enter the kingdom finally, when we enter our final destination of actually being in the kingdom of God, physically present in the kingdom, even if we're citizens right now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a citizen of the kingdom, but we live abroad. We don't, we don't live at home just yet. And one of two things is going to happen. Either we will die and pass into that kingdom, or we will be alive when Jesus comes back to this earth and establishes the kingdom here. One of those things is going to happen, but at some point we're going to be home. And there are times when I get homesick, when I see death and decay and brokenness, and, and I feel the weight of those things, and I'm like, I just want to be home. And Jesus, when he comes to this earth, he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's communicating to us what the kingdoms be like. There's going to be a time and a place when there's no more death and there's no more decay and there's no more dying and there's no more sin and there's no more disease and there's no more backstabbing and there's no more any of that. There's the kingdom of God that when we are in his presence, we will become like him and he will remove all of those things from the earth. And when he sees this, when we look at this, he says, the kingdom of heaven is hand. Let me show you what the kingdom is like. And he starts healing people. Now, let me ask you this. What if you're in this room today and you are praying for healing right now? You, you've come in today and, and you're, you, you need healing emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. What happens when you're like, I've asked God for that and he hasn't answered me? Because I know a lot of people who have walked away from Jesus because they've said, I asked for that healing and it didn't come, so I'm out. I asked for my husband to be cured and he wasn't, so I'm out. What happens when the healing doesn't come the way that we see it right here? Let me ask you this. If you're praying and you haven't seen it yet, can you trust God while you wait? Can you trust God while you wait? Because there's something that God is doing in you in this moment. And listen, we will all experience healing either in this life or the next. Healing might not look the way that you think it's going to look. But can you trust the character of God as we obey the commands of God? Can you trust him that he knows what he's doing? Can you trust him to know that he's good? Because here's the other thing that we need to remember. Yes, Jesus healed us. He also went to the cross and died for you and died for me and rose from the dead. He did that to forgive us of our sin. 
All the stuff that we've accumulated, all the offense that we've stored up for ourselves against God, he wiped clean. That is done. It is finished. And you may have a physical ailment now. You might have a mental anguish right now. You might have a relational pain that is so deep right now. And you're like, God, would you please heal this? And right now it's just not coming. And it's not coming the way that you want it to. But can you trust God in the moment saying, he has forgiven my sins when I didn't deserve it. I can trust him with this piece of my life too. I can trust him in the waiting. Even though the waiting is hard. Can you trust God? Because healing comes the way that he will bring it about. And the way that he brings it about is the best possible way it can happen. I heard a pastor named Tim Keller say it this way. We would answer our prayers exactly the way that God answers our prayers if we knew what God knows. You and I have a limited perspective. Can we trust our leadership? Can we trust our king to bring about something even in the midst of intense, intense pain? And some of you are going through real hard, difficult things. But can you trust him? Because I know that when I've trusted him in the middle of my darkest seasons, and there have been a number, and they've been doozies. Can you trust him in the middle of your pain? That's why it's important to know what the, who God is. Because there's going to be times in life when we don't understand him. And it's important to know the character of God as we obey the commands of God. One of the reasons why this is so important, why we're talking about this today, is because God is good. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's bringing light to the world. He's bringing healing to the nations. He's leading us in paths of righteousness and greater joy. He's doing those things already. Let us follow him. And the other reason why we're talking about this is because in the next few weeks, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going into chapters 5 through 7, which is Jesus' most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And he's going to say things in that sermon that are going to make us really uncomfortable. It's going to go totally against everything that you hear in the world around us. And yet we're going to go, who are we going to believe in this moment? Jesus who says difficult things or the world? That's, what we're gonna, that's gonna be our choice. Who's gonna be our king when we listen and we think about and we dwell upon the Sermon on the Mount where he talks about lust and he talks about divorce and he talks about pride and he talks about hatred and he talks about forgiving your enemies and he talks about hypocrisy and he's gonna talk about all those things and they're all, we're all gonna at some point gonna go, oh man, <gasps> that was a kick to the gut. Go, but who are we going to believe? And if you're here today and you're like in this place and you're like, I need to repent. 
I've been following after something. I've been wandering into the darkness. I've, I've done things myself. I've, I've, I've gone that way, and I find myself in deep, dark places. I need to repent. I need to turn around. I need to change the way that I'm thinking. I need to turn to Jesus. If that's you today, on your connection card, it says, I have decided to become a follower of Jesus. That one right there. If that's you today, Underline that, circle it, put your information down because we want to follow, we want to walk with you as you follow Jesus. We have a job as the church, and that's to help people become more like Jesus. That's our job, and we love it. So collectively as the church, we want to help you get involved, we want to help you get connected so you can take your next steps with Jesus. And maybe today you're in here and you're like, I did that once, but I have wandered so far from God. And I need to repent. If that's you today, and I want you to put that down on your card too. Just say, just, I've become a follower of Jesus. And we're gonna sing a song in a moment. We're gonna, we're gonna sing a song that describes who our king is and what he did for us. It's awesome. So good. Sing it and know that it's true. And then afterwards, we're gonna have people down here at our prayer team that would love to pray with you and for you. And if you repented, whether it be the first time or the 50th time today, if you repented, I want you to come down and be prayed for. Our prayer team will be down here. We'll be hanging out down here. We want to pray with you. We want to help you take your next steps. But guys, this is our king, and he calls us to follow him, and he's calling us to follow him to bring light to the world. Let's be a part of that, and let's, let's in that process, discover the healing that he brings to us because he is a good and great king. Let's pray.